You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about season two of Jessica Jones. But before we do that, I just want to give everyone an update on the podcast. I have found a uh, editor for my episodes while uh, life is uh, making things chaotic for me and I can't edit all of my episodes directly. And that is Ben Gibbs from the Gentleman Nerds podcast. So thank you, Ben. And if uh, people notice anything different about the style of how it's edited or anything like that, then that's because Ben, I'm sure, will do things slightly differently for me, even though uh, we've talked about, uh, you know, how I tend to like to edit the episode. So, um I hope you like it. I hope I like it. (laughs) But either way, it'll help us to get rid of all this backlog. So it is much appreciated. So once again, thank you, Ben. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to Dragon Con, of course, uh, as I mentioned, um, you know, several times in the past year and, uh, just getting excited for that, preparing for that and, uh, really hoping that you guys, uh, come by and listen to some of my panels. So, um, without further ado, though, let's join the episode where we're going to meet our cast for this week. So first up, beaming down to us from the Starship Enterprise is my friend Stephanie. How are you doing, Stephanie? Hey, I'm doing well. How about you? I am doing well also. So, uh, Stephanie, since the last time you've been on, uh, has anything new and exciting happened? I finished the first draft of my novel. Does it have a title? No. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking with one of my employees today who does screenwriting and film on his on his own. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, how do you come up with titles? Give me some suggestions. And since I have titles for all of my chapters, he was like, why don't you look through those and see if any of those could maybe apply to the whole book? Ah. And my final chapter's title, I actually think could maybe possibly very likely work for the first book. So I might have a title. I'm just not 100% sold on it because this conversation happened two hours ago. Mm. (laughs) Well, no, that's good, though. That's progress. Yes, it is. So that just means that if I settle with that as my title, then I just need to come up with a name for the series. Mm. But at least I'll have a title for the book, and I don't think I necessarily need to rename the last chapter either. It'll be like in a movie where they mention the name of the movie, and it's like, okay, time to roll credits. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, cool, cool. And that's really awesome that you're moving right along. Um, And of course... It's a never-ending process of proofreading and editing and revising, but hopefully I'll have a draft too soon, and I'll be ready to get some proofreaders, other than my grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, I mean, you know... (laughs) 
<laughs> Starting with family is always good. They work for free usually. Plus, she read through my sex scene and said it was appropriate, and she's still reading and talking to me, so that's a good sign. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else been going on? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I think I was only on like two weeks ago, so. Was it? It couldn't have been that recent. Maybe three weeks ago. Yeah, maybe. Like, it was the same week that I actually finished writing, and yes. then I just took like two weeks of not touching it at all and i just started doing the proofreading this week <laughs> mm, okay cool all right well yeah i mean definitely keep us posted as things uh go on and since you'll be talking about star trek with me a lot um yes. as we move forward uh you know i'm, I'm sure we can get regular updates <laughs> you'll know when i finally reach out to a publisher <laughs> right. all right well, uh, next up, um, join me as I welcome our next guest, who is wearing her black leather jacket and tagging along with a crying Danny Rand, and that is my buddy Angie. How are you doing, Angie? I'm doing great, thank you. So do you want to explain what I was just saying there to the audience? Oh, yeah. Um, so last year, uh, since I have a like a child that has no opinions yet, I can dress him up however I want, so... Um, we went to our local comic convention as uh, Jessica Jones. Uh, my husband was Matt Murdock, and we dressed up our baby as Danny Rand. It seemed appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I've seen it. It's cute. <laughs> um, so, yeah, actually, I'm. it's coming up around again, and I'm just trying to figure out what we're going to dress up like this year. Related to that, uh, two years ago, I went to a local convention here, not dressed up as anything, just dressed up as myself, and I had about four people yelling, Jessica, Jessica Jones! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I accidentally cosplayed, because I, I was wearing a leather jacket, I had ripped up tight jeans, I had black leather boots on. <laughs> And I'm like, no, this is just me, but sure, hi! <laughs> just I actually went to Starbucks and said my name was Jessica, just so I would have a cup with the name on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, Angie, you also have the uh, the picture you're using now on your Facebook feed, which is uh, you as Jessica, like, next to the Jessica Jones number one comic book. Yeah, yeah, that was actually a happy accident. My husband is a little more observant than I am, so he snapped the picture, but... Yeah, I changed it when the second season came out. Mm. Yep. Okay, so uh, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on? Um, not a whole lot. Just uh, watching Legion and and uh, catching some movies and trying to get settled in to the new house. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> so you moved in recently. Yes. And now we're finishing the basement. So it's just a never-ending parade of <laughs> construction. I'm now been on your Facebook, and you are an incredible Jessica. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, it's uh, great to have you back on, Angie. Thanks for having me. No problem. And uh, next up, why doesn't everyone go ape with me as I welcome Mark Finn to the podcast? <laughs> Nicely done, sir. <laughs> Nicely done. Thanks. Oh, uh, that's great. <laughs> so, how are you doing, Mark? Uh, I'm. 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 I am not unwell. 
Okay. Uh, yes, uh, I've been I've been practicing a lot of self care lately, uh, which involves uh, actually uh, eating real food and not crap. Uh, also, uh, taking time to take uh, a deep breath and uh, realize that um, you know I, I might need to take care of myself or risk uh, dying of a heart attack at the age of uh, forty, uh, which is really weird because I'm forty eight. So. <laughs> <laughs> I figure, you know, you're, it's never too late. You're never too young. So, mm. yeah, there you go. Uh, that's that's been me in a nutshell. I and, 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 oh, I've also been eating a lot of nuts. So, uh, <laughs> hence, hence, hence the shell. <laughs> well, you are what you eat. They say that's very true. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I totally get you on that because uh, yeah, I've been thinking a lot of those same thoughts myself because I eat a lot of uh, what I shouldn't, and uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of in an unhealthy place myself, and I I actually do have a shot of being dead when I'm forty, so you know, I, I really I need to. I'm sorry, what, Stephanie? I feel you both, and I feel like an ass too because I keep interrupting everyone tonight. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we're we're gonna do the same to you later. So right. Don't <laughs> sure. do not give it a thought. <laughs> um. So, uh, any anything at all on a more uh, or on a more upbeat bit? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, uh, me not uh, flipping out like a ninja every time something bad happens is upbeat. But okay. if if by upbeat you mean geeky, uh, mm -hmm. yes, uh, I am uh, currently uh, working on uh, an unnamed and semi-secret. Um, role-playing game that we're going to be kickstarting uh later in the year and uh, i'm trying to get uh get us caught up with skellis press so we can get issue four out before robert e howard days so all right awesome all, all, all kinds of uh, shenanigans going on yeah I, i'm looking forward to hearing about this uh this role-playing game uh we we'll we'll talk more about it uh as as it gets uh closer to uh drop time but what i may be able to do is send you a playtest copy uh you know kind of off to the side uh with the proviso that you uh really try to break it like see just how you know just go at it with a crowbar and a, and a pair of pliers and a blowtorch. Get medieval, you know? <laughs> I, I actually have my gaming group coming Memorial Day weekend that we do once a year, and, and they stay for four days. So, um, you know, if you send it to me before then, I, I'm sure we can... <laughs> I'm sure okay. we can break. <laughs> All, right. All right, that sounds that sounds great. Yeah, okay. we're, right now we're 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 in the playtest uh, stage and trying to get some some feedback. So that would be uh, mucho grande, you know, if you could do that, that'd be cool. All right. All right. Awesome. Awesome. It's good to have you back on, Mark. Thanks, brother. Glad to be here. Oh, and you know what? I forgot to say something to you about. Uh, of course, I shared the uh, the link to you of uh, the guy that uh, had the Donkey Kong record. It's been rescinded. Yes, I know. I, 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 I put a heart on that and and uh, and, and said, uh, I, I won't say mean things, but uh, that guy's an ass. Mm. That, guy, that guy was such a such a putz. Uh, and and I, 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 it's always nice when the arrogant asses of the world get taken down a peg. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't feel that way if he wasn't if he like if he was just a genuinely nice guy who was trying his best. I'd be like, well, you know, that sucks to be him. But this guy, this guy's a pratsatka uh, from the word go, uh, and you can quote me on that. Okay, if I All can right. learn how to spell it, I'll quote you. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I know I, how much you love Donkey Kong, so I thought that you'd be interested in that. Yes, totally, totally. I, I, I watched uh, the King the King of Kong documentary is a great documentary, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun. And uh, and so yeah, just FYI. All right. Uh, and so heading to us from the outer reaches of the solar system is our final guest, and that is Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? <laughs> I'm doing good. You, uh, I, I sense another Pluto jab there. <laughs> a, but I'm going to yeah, – it's clearly not big enough to stick, so I'm just going to let it go by and not acknowledge that it exists as anything other than a rock. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> so, Ryan <laughs> – Nathan, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, any, any crippling pain going on? Any? <laughs> As a matter of fact, no. I, I was gonna, I, I was stretching to find something to to answer this question with, knowing that was coming. And I was only thing I have, I, I was gonna say, and it sounded kind of mean, but now I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> And that is, I'm enjoying the beautiful, beautiful weather where I am. I'm out walking. I'm leveling up. I'm a 39 on Pokemon Go, catching legendaries. And so, yeah, I'm just looking at all my Facebook friends freezing, Nathan, right. and, and wherever they're at. And, uh, yeah, just enjoying the weather. Well, to be fair, it is hot relatively to how it has been today. But it was <laughs> – I, I look at everybody with the 70-degree weather today, and I'm like, oh, I'm so envious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so so uh so anything else or just uh just the pokemon I, go stuff po- and- pokemon and just uh a backlog of tv i mean mm. i'm trying to catch up i'm trying to put a dent into it because we got um what uh lost in space coming and mm-hmm. a few others and it's just it's not happening man it's, <laughs> it's it's just we live in a golden age and i can't keep up i, I feel I, uh, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, uh, that based on everybody else's answers, the fact that you are leveling up on Pokemon Go, you win. You win this game. <laughs> that, yeah, that's 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 uh, that's that's high high end nerdetry there. I, I I can't compete with that. <laughs> and yet the other Pokemon Go players I meet out there kind of make me feel normal. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's nice. Let's let's alienate some more people on the pod that listen, might, might listen to the podcast. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, you people playing Pokemon Go, you're weird. Well, I'm only talking about the mystics and the instincts, you know. Okay. <laughs> and then there's gonna be like death threats and a gang war now. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Well, I, I would say it's good to have you back, but I, I promised that I wouldn't lie anymore. So, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. <laughs> uh, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. <laughs> right, so, um, we're not going to have a, a five-minute controversy uh, this week because uh, we've got quite a few people, and uh, I want to get into talking about Jessica Jones. But what we will do right now is we will pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast. Howdy! This year, the Earth Station One podcast will experience its favorite geek out moment with episode number 500. That's over nine years of nerdy pop culture reviews, interviews, and con reports. Join the celebration with Mike and Mike each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite media player. We can also be found all over social media or at esonetwork.com. Peace. And we're done. We're done. We're done. 
And we're back. And so, like I said at the top of the show, this week we are talking about Jessica Jones Season 2. And since uh, I was not able to talk about the first season on the podcast, because it came out before uh, we had a show, I just really quickly, just in a few sentences, wanted to get everyone's opinion on the first season so that we can talk about it in relation to Season 2. So, um, Ryan, let's uh, start with you, then go Mark, then Stephanie, then Angie. You know, that's really weird because I have a memory of talking about the first season, but I don't know. I guess that maybe that was at a convention or something like that. But the first season of Jessica Jones was probably the breakout star of the Netflix series for me. I kind of had high expectations for Daredevil and Luke Cage. Um, we won't talk about Iron Fist. I knew what to expect, but I knew nothing about Jessica Jones, so I just went into it uh, a clean slate. And the first season just blew me away. Maybe yeah. you remember talking about it from the Defenders one. Oh, yeah, we did. Be. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did talk about it uh, vis-a-vis Defenders. And I remember just constantly ripping on Danny Rand during that. Okay. <laughs> all right, well, let's not do that on this one. And so, all right, Mark, why don't you really quickly just uh, let us know what you thought of season one? Oh, I adored it. Uh, I like uh, I've, I've liked Kristen Ritter uh, ever since uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, and I was a little surprised because it was clear that they were trying to do a Marvel Knights kind of a thing. And Jessica Jones was sort of a one-off, but I thought it had probably the the best chance of being a TV show because of the private eye angle. And then we went deep into this whole psychological trauma. And I found that to be not only fascinating, but really cathartic. I thought it was an excellent way and a, and, a, and a really good vehicle to show that, yes, we're dealing with superpowers and a guy that's known as the Purple Man and, and all this stuff, but there's no such thing as a bad character. There's only bad stories, and, and you, can, you can load your story with as much subtext and meaning as you want, and I like the fact that they didn't shy away from it. It made me uncomfortable at times to watch because... I have a very strong aversion to violence against women. It really, um, it really affects me. And to me, I think that was one of its strengths because it did provoke an emotional response for me. I mean, not in the way that Daredevil did, which was, oh, my God, that fight scene was so cool. Oh, my God, the, the ninja was so awesome. This was more like I really want, you know, I want, I want her and Trish to talk more. So I, I loved it. All right, Stephanie? Well, kind of playing off what uh, Mark just said about the whole emotional level, as a woman who has gone through some of that type of abuse and trauma, it was amazing to see it portrayed in the way that it was on television, where it didn't necessarily become a weakness from her. It was a area that she drew strength from, and she fought back against her abuser. And yeah, there were some really tough situations that were so relatable and I had never seen treated as carefully and truthfully in any sort of media. I'm sure it exists elsewhere, but this was like the first time in a big mainstream type media presentation where we had true portrayal of domestic and mental physical abuse. And it it seems weird to say it was amazing, but <laughs> in the whole fact that they did it so truthfully, it was something kind of amazing to see and to be like hearing you 
Mark, say that it sparked emotion from you is just kind of incredible to show that they actually were able to portray that to people who weren't even in those types of situations before. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think you have to be a heartless automaton to have not been affected by that show. You know what I mean? If you were, if you watched and were like, eh, it's okay, but you know, there's not enough lasers, then, <laughs> then, then, then you're dead inside, and I don't want to know you. You know. And you kind of miss the point of the show. And, you, and, and 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 again, you miss the point of the show, right? It's yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on your your, your oh, time. I, I totally invited you into that, as opposed <laughs> to all my interruptions earlier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Angie. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ditto what everyone else said. For me, though, as much as I loved, I liked Daredevil. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Jessica Jones was it was the street level. You know, Daredevil still has that kind of fantastic element, and so Jessica Jones was the first where it was just people on a street level, and some of them had powers. And how do you deal with that? And you know, what happens when you know you're not an Avenger? Which I just found um, relatable, duh, but also, you know, just just very interesting because it, it was new. I hadn't seen that before, personally. And, yeah, I love Christian Ritter. Um, I love Don't Trust the B in 23B. And I, I wish I had that sort of whiplash wit. So, uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the first season. I was really excited for the second one. All right, so uh, I'm. I guess I'm going to be a slight uh, dissenting opinion, just because of the fact that I agree with Mark about the emotion. I felt it was too intense at times. Um, I felt like at some points that it would the show was a little off putting, just because I don't want to watch that. You, you get what I'm saying? Like the psychological pain evokes such pain in me as a viewer that it was not pleasant to watch necessarily. Um, but, but what, I mean, what that says is that they did a very good job at what they were trying to do, but that I personally had difficulty watching it. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I liked a lot of what they were doing. Um, you know, the characters were interesting. Um, you know, uh, Kilgrave was the most horrible villain that, you know, you can imagine. Um, and, uh, Jessica... You know, I mean, it was interesting just seeing Jessica put the, you know, seeing her reach her catharsis and getting to that final episode, you know, was a wonderful journey and getting yeah. to that point. Um, but like I say, I had I had some difficulty watching through it just because you know, it wasn't pleasant in the way that like watching Daredevil is pleasant just because it's like, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, you know, this is great, you know, kind of thing. And, so. and, and, and what does that say about us as men? You know, yeah. what does that say about us as chuckleheads? As long as the guys are beating on each other with sticks and rocks, we're, we're like, oh, this is great. It's awesome. But if, I don't want to oh. say that my reaction to Nathan's I don't want to watch this is good. <laughs> like, that's my reaction to well, Everything you were saying is good. I'm glad you don't want to watch it because no one wants to live it. Well, of course, of course. And and I understand that. And I understand that that was part of the point and that they did a very good job doing it. But um, there were were definitely some uh, some parts where I felt uncomfortable, like I shouldn't be watching this, like it's too private, like it's too much. And even stuff that didn't necessarily pertain to to Jessica, like when Kilgrave has the kids go into the closet and you never see the kids again, you know. I mean, the implication is that the kids died, 
you know, um, because they even mentioned later that, like, when they went into the apartment, that other than the people Jessica beat up, there was nobody there, you know. So you kind of wonder if, like, the kids died in the closet and they just, like, threw them in the trash or something, you know. I mean, it's like, it's just horrifying thoughts of, you know, the things that Kilgrave did just casually offhand, you know, and everything that just, like, turned my stomach, you know, yeah. uh, uh, watching the watching the show, so... Um, I, I found it difficult to watch in a way that none of the other, you know, it's a different difficulty to watch than the Iron Fist difficulty to watch, uh, <laughs> which was, I, I, I thought we were going to have a clean fight. Right? I really did. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had to go bring up Danny Rand. Oh my God. All right. But anyway, oh, right, Iron Fist aside. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to minimize and I don't want to say that I didn't like the show or think that the show was any good. Um, I just felt like it, it wasn't if you told me that that was what the show was going to delve into deeply, because I didn't know Jessica. I knew nothing about Jessica Jones um, going into it because she was a character that was introduced after I got out of my comic reading phase. I probably it wouldn't be a show that I would have chosen to watch based on that description. But now that she's part of everything and she was in the Defenders and everything and I like her, you know, I like her attitude, you know, it's kind of like, I was like, yeah, Jessica Jones season two, I'm, I'm up for this, you know, I want to see what's going to go on. So um, I was pretty positive moving into that second season. I, I, I got to say, I was very, I, I, what I like about it and what's, what's in, um, I, first of all, I like the fact that, that while she's clearly not over it. We are we're moving past it to some of the other stuff that's that's her up. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, and there's I, the one f bomb for the episode. Oh, there have oh, no, been no, like no, two no, or three already. But I had a I I totally um uh, I I loved uh, I loved that that we that we got a different uh, flavor. For for season two, um, so yeah, the, I, I I I thought it was wonderful. I can't wait for season three. Yeah, season two. I mean, yeah, I mean, just teeing up on what you said. I mean, season two for me, I enjoyed that aspect as well. I mean, Jessica is progressing as a character, um, and I really love the whole deal of you know because here's the thing about jessica jessica tries to act like she doesn't care but she cares so much about everything oh and, yes and and yeah, she's an exposed nerve yeah right but she's an exposed nerve she's been hurt so many times I mean, we see the flashback to when she lost the boyfriend um which just adds another layer on top of it but she's been abused by Kilgrave, you know and so she has super trust issues like anyone would um going through all of that and you know, she she wants to do good and she wants to do right, but she thinks there's something wrong with her, which has her, you know, sort of withdraw into a shell away from everybody, insulate herself. And, and seeing her actually broken up about killing Kilgrave and being thought of by everyone else as a murderer was a really interesting way to take it, too, because, you know, I thought, OK, she killed Kilgrave and for her, that's going to be like, well, he deserved it. But we see her agonizing over that. Um, you know, throughout the throughout this season, and we see her, you know, we see the perception of everyone else is like you're like some sort of like hitman, you know, like hey, could you take care of this person for me or somebody? And, and that's yeah. something none of the other shows or movies have really ever even touched at. I mean, mm -hmm. 
you know, can you imagine Batman having guilt about his actions or even uh, Cap or, well, maybe Cap, but no, I mean, I've never seen the character with, with the exception of the one towards the latter half of the season, every action Jessica made was justified. And I don't know. I think, I think killing Kilgrave, I'd have gone home and I'd have slept soundly and not had a single problem with it. But the fact that it haunted her just, it is just something I'd never seen before. Well, the fact that it haunted her just definitely played into the fact that she was totally abused by him. Yeah. Abusers have a way of getting into your head like that and you feel guilty for betraying them. Right. And, 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 and he literally is now the imp of the perverse on her shoulder. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's I, I, I think, and I think that's totally a manifestation of her guilt. I love it. <laughs> the other really interesting thing, though, is that you think about the fact that killing uh, Reba was the thing that broke her out of Kilgrave's control the first time around because it was such a horrific act to her that after she had done it, it just shattered her, and so it shattered his control over her. But the fact that now every death to her, you know, is another, you know, she's, like, keeping account, you know, like, this is how many deaths I'm responsible for, and she's worried about how it's getting easier, and she's worried about, you know, what that means about her and everything else, and I loved all of that questioning of herself, because it made so much sense based on, you know, everything that we know about her. Well, and, and of course, everything we learn uh, about mom uh, fe- feeds into that, you know, and, and I can't think of a single woman on the planet that doesn't in some way fear turning into their mother. So right here, we've got this amazing uh, dichotomy uh, set up uh, that uh, it feels very real, but is also um, mired in this superhero universe um i have to just geek out for just a second does everybody know why it's a big deal that uh that trish um may have superpowers or or do i I need to do i need to explain hellcat to anybody okay okay it's it's pretty obvious at the end there okay okay so so we all know about hellcat and Mm -hmm. and patsy walker right we don't have to i don't have to go into that okay good okay awesome great Okay. Uh, although I will, I will say because I just love the meta ness of it all. That in the comics, the idea was that Patsy Walker was a comic character, a comic book character within the Marvel universe because her mother created Patsy Walker comic books about her. And the idea in the TV show of making her a TV character within yeah. the MCU was a very nice nod to the comic origin, which, you know, is <laughs> kind of goofy, but, you know, I, I, I really like that. I thought that they did a good job of adapting that. Um, yes. I, but- I agree. I think they could have spent more than five minutes, though, coming up with her pop song. Uh, that, <laughs> but but see that was that I was think part worst. of the point was that it was like the worst <laughs> drivel. Yeah, it, it was it was supposed to be bad. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was cray cray. It was yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. But, oh, but uh, before we wander too far afield, I want to focus a little bit on Jessica and her mother because that's what we've been, you know, uh, talking about here. And um, I was shocked when the mother was the character that we were following because. You know, I, that's one of the thing. That's one of the few things I do know from just you know reading a little bit on the internet was that you know her family was killed in the comics too, and so having the mom come back um, was really surprising to me. And I loved the whole angle that they went with that of Jessica's fear of because, like you were saying, Mark, of becoming 
her mother and becoming what her mother had become having gone through the you know the same process and everything and the whole idea of if i can redeem my mom i can redeem myself you know and and all that kind of stuff that played into it was really you know was really interesting and and following that whole thing and so again i I really loved everything about like this season to me I, i i was on board like the whole way you know it seemed like everything made complete sense and it was really interesting because i couldn't i couldn't predict all the moves like i can with so many shows you know it's like i know all the beats that are going to come and they threw me a few curveballs you know along the way where it was like oh okay but it was always an interesting thing to do nathan have you read the jessica jones comics do you know like what that trajectory is well, I mean, I know in the comics she marries Luke Cage and has a kid, but I'm not. I don't yeah. think they're going that route. It's uh, it, you know, a- after the after the first story, um, it uh, it becomes kind of like a it it, it, mo- it mostly stays in the realm of a crime story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he uh, Daredevil shows up as Matt Murdock to be her lawyer for some stuff, and. Uh, and she's clearly it's set in the Marvel universe, and she's got a relationship with with some of these people. But um, it's it's good. Don't get me wrong. But it what they're doing in the t- in, in the show here is so much better. Mm-hmm. They're really adding a lot of depth and nuance, and uh, and, and of course uh, agency. That's one of the best things about Jessica Jones uh, mm-hmm. as a character is that uh, she. You know, she she will not be told what to do. I mm. love that. I, I love the fact that she's uh, uh, what 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 they used to call in the in the '90s a difficult woman. Yeah. <laughs> I just I well, think it's great. Well, she well, can't raise enough hell, as far as I'm concerned. The gender reversals are interesting because you know normally it would be the gruff guy and it would be the single mother that you know he that, right. that you know they get the relationship with and oh i've got to be sort of fatherly now and i kind of like the fact that you know it's jessica and it's the single dad um who played hellcat in the cw but that's a whole enough hellcat uh, uh, wildcat in the cw um in the arrow um but uh yeah the single dad and his son and, and how she's kind of like you know she's seeing the possibility of you know what would a normal life be like and and kind of wondering like could could i be part of that you know or have i gone so far that you know it's not even possible and and so i liked i liked all of that and i liked i liked the fact that it was flipped from what you normally see and yes. the fact that he's an ex-con also helps her relate a little bit in yeah. some way well i loved his reaction to when she was just going to jump him the first time yeah. Because it was like, you know, usually again in this kind of like an action series, it's like yeah, people just randomly jump each other and it always works out. And you know, he had like what I think would be a really real reaction of, uh, you know, you go from like hating my guts to wanting to jump me. This is weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, outside of Trish, Jessica only has three modes: drunk, sex, or punch. Right. You know? Pretty much. <laughs> Right, but this is yeah. somebody who doesn't know her. during all those other ones. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I like that. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, oh, it took me a minute, but I'm all right. I caught, I caught up. We're good. Please continue. Um, it's a time delay. You're, you're in a different zone. It's yeah. a different zone. Uh, Angie, I feel like we've been kind of talking a lot here. Uh, how did, what did you think about Jessica and her mother in this season? Oh man. Um 
You know, it's it's funny that you brought up thinking that the first season was a little too intense at times because I found myself during the second season thinking, man, I really respect what they're doing here, but I don't know if I'm enjoying it. Mm. <laughs> okay, okay. Because um, it was it was rough to watch, um, uh, and I. In, in retrospect and thinking back on it, um, I really liked what they did. I really liked the direction that they went. Um, I think at the time when I was watching it, I was really irritated um, that they, you know, bring the parent back from the dead. Mm. Sort oh, of okay. saying it's okay. super okay. tropish. I, mm-hmm. I was kind of annoyed that they did it. <clears throat> but after having seen the entire season, watching what they did with it, and watching how they used her mother... Um, I, I still have a lot of respect for what they did, but um, I, I've come around. I have enjoyed it a lot more in retrospect than I think I did um, in the moment. Angie, would you say that um, what, what 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 was the frustrating thing about it for you? Because uh, for me, what what frustrated me about the second season was the fact that she wasn't getting better sooner, and 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 was still in and was still self destructing those relationships. Hmm. Uh, was that the same thing for you, or was there something else that you keyed off of? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing that I felt um, <laughs> with uh, the Hunger Games novels. Um, hmm. I really enjoyed the last one, um, and I feel like not a lot of people did, but I, I feel like I enjoyed it for the same reason, which is this is what happens to your action heroes. Like, they have all of this trauma and baggage they have to work through, and we never see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's because it's not fun. It's not, it's not entertaining to watch that happening, mm-hmm. um, which is why I said I had so much respect for it, but maybe wasn't always enjoying it. Yeah. Um, so the fact that the show was brave enough to just spend an entire season unpacking this baggage, um, you know, was really brave. And I, yeah, I, you know, like I said, in retrospect, I think I have a lot more enjoyment of the season as a whole than I was maybe having in the moment. Right. You know, it, it's kind of like the the thing you know, is going to get worse before it gets better, right. which in therapy and in the life, it's generally true. And I, I guess Jessica's just a, a walking example of that in so many ways. It, I feel like she, at the end of season one, she was in a good spot with Trish, with Malcolm, with everyone else in her sphere, even with Jerry. But her mother comes back, and that just kind of implodes all the other relationships in her life because, yeah, she's kind of got to choose. See, this is interesting to me that this is the way everyone else is going because I thought Jessica was more or less fine in this season, and most of her actions were justified. Trish was the train wreck. Oh, you know, this was the why we (laughs) should hate Trish season (laughs) (laughs) because Trish ruined just about everything for everyone. The whole reason Jessica and Malcolm had a falling out was because of Trish. You know, Trish ruined the relationship with Jessica. It's all Trish's fault. You know, it's like I I, I, can be both, but. I think, in in a sense, maybe it should be noted that Trisha's own healing or her own journey. I mean, we kind of saw some of the some more of the stuff that happened to her uh, in, in yeah. her life, and 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 in a way, it's also since it's about mothers, it's also about Trisha's own mother. She was bonding with her mother at the same time Jessica was bonding with hers. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know. Maybe moms ruin everything. Maybe that's what the <laughs> world is. Oh, no. <laughs> There is there's there's definitely a sins of the mother vibe 
you know, yeah. uh, in in the story. Yeah, totally. And uh, I'll tell you the one the the one that just pissed me off the most was when was the during the flashback when Jessica walks into the bathroom to pull Trish out, mm-hmm. thinking that she's doing drugs, and finds Trish about to go down on the guy. And mm-hmm. and I was just like. This is not happening. And of course, Jessica was the same way, you mm-hmm. know, but it was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I, um, Jessica had to be kind of like the the responsible one for, for Trish. And it was because at that time, Trish was the only family Jessica had. And now when actual mom shows up, Jessica has to make that choice. And you know, like like she does – as we have, as the, as both seasons have implied, she chooses poorly. She makes poor choices. <laughs> you know, am I going to drink myself to sleep or am I not? I am going to drink myself to sleep. Well, that's not a healthy op- option, but but you know, it's hers and she's made it. And so, uh, uh, for me, the frustration came from the fact that you know you have a chance to heal. And instead, you by the end of the show, you've literally repelled everyone from you like a rare earth magnet, you know. Uh, and and now you're more alone than ever. And the last thing Jessica Jones needs to be is alone with her thoughts. But see, <laughs> I don't agree with that because she and she she and Oscar are in a good place. I mean, they're for they, now. Yeah, but but see, that's <laughs> the thing. Now. I mean, it's like I I don't know why I got such a different impression of this season. I mean, Patsy was, uh, you know, she was. She was toxic, you know, I mean, so getting rid of, I mean, Malcolm, that was a problem. That was a mistake. Jessica shouldn't have done that. Um, but, you know, getting rid of, I don't know, I, I don't see Trish as, um, you know, getting rid of Trish as being like a mistake on Jessica. She, she killed her mother. <laughs> you know, I mean, what? it's, and, again, another surprising scene, because while I expected the mom to die, I didn't expect her to die yeah. then and at Trish's hand. You know, um, yeah. but she, yeah. she murdered her mother. And, and the thing that's going to annoy me is in season three, if within like three episodes, like Trish and, and Jessica are back, you know, as, as, as sisters again, you know, buddy, buddy, that's going to piss me off because there's no way it's that easy. You know, so I'm hoping that they do better than that. But I, I'm just worried because most shows, that's the way it is. It's like, oh, you did some horrible thing. Oh, I forgive you in two episodes, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, not, this is not Jessica's the CW. Mother. This is Marvel. There are right. rules. <laughs> Jessica's mother did kill her her seemingly true love, and she got over that pretty quickly. So. Well, it's been it's been years. I mean, she just found out about it recently. Yeah, but, but she was obviously still very hung up on the guy. I think I think I think wearing the jacket still, you know. I I think Jessica knew she was going to have to have to do that. I think I think the whole reason that the Jessica did what she did was that she was hoping she wouldn't have to. But I think uh uh and and certainly the purple man cameo bears that out that she thinks, you know, this is all she's good for. Um, uh, no, I think I think season 3 is going to be uh Trish becoming Hellcat and uh, that places her and Jessica at odds for most of the series. That's my that's the only yeah. prediction I have. I'm actually okay if Trish isn't in Jessica Jones season three at all, and they just have her as a guest star in other people's shows. Well, um, I, I, but Nathan geez. Hellcat. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> she could be Hellcat in Daredevil or in Iron Fist or in Punisher. You know, I mean, she could show up in other people's shows. It's okay. Did you say, say Thunder Shirt? What? Other shows. Punisher. Other shows. Pun- Punisher. 
Oh, Punisher. Punisher. I heard Thundershirt. I don't know what comic that is, but I really want to know. But, Did but he get his powers from a radioactive shirt? But here's the thing. So in season one, you know, they didn't show a tremendous amount. I mean, Trish seemed like a very well-adjusted, happy person. She did. She had, she had issues with her mother. Um, and when you found out what her mother was like, you kind of understood. And, you know, it seemed like, okay. And Trish was the one who was all like, yeah, be a superhero, be altruistic. And so you think, you know, this is really positive. And then this season you find out the whole reason Trish wants that is because she wants to have the what she sees as the positive quality that Jessica has, and she wants it just to be, like, special in some way. That it's not like she's super altruistic. She just wants to have it. You know? Well, and so she, it's like... She every- wants it to live vicariously through Jessica. But and when she saw Jessica yeah. wasting that opportunity, that's what set her going. I mean, no one's arguing that they're kind of opposite sides of the same coin. Jessica has the ability to be a superhero but doesn't want to and trish wants to be a hero so badly that she's willing to do wrong to she believes at this point that the ends justify the means that's setting her on a wrong path as well don't forget that at the beginning season one she was dealing with being a former child star so she had the uh special uh building with the special door the safe room the the martial arts lessons I most yeah. certainly did not get the impression that she was a happy-go-lucky, well-adjusted character in the first season. No, I didn't get that either. kind of amplified that she most certainly was not. This was right. totally playing upon yeah. pre-existing personality issues that we already saw with her. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. She's just a better actor than Jessica. <laughs> She's an addict, and sober Trish is fairly well adjusted but when she's not sober she falls back into these addictive patterns and i thought that was very realistic yes it kind of sucked because she didn't get a comeuppance like she should have but i found that portrayal very realistic yeah as soon as she starts hitting on the inhaler uh that's when she changed totally yeah you're right angie that's right uh i I think this was was all set up for from season one Mal totally pointed it all out, too. After he took a hit from that inhaler, he's like, dude, no, this is going to totally set off all these old patterns. I shouldn't have done that in the first place. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, I think I think y'all are right. I think uh, that this this was all part of the setup. And and, and I saw it as part of the through line. Uh, Nathan, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying I prefer uh, uh, Trish to to Jessica. Uh, It's that I felt that. Trish was already on a journey and Jessica was, was emphatically not on one that, you know, Jessica was just, was existing and it's not until she got involved. And remember we're all, we also have to contend with the defenders as well. You know, the, the scenes in the, in the defenders where she doesn't want to do this. She takes it because she needs the money. She, uh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, you know, and, and, and again, gets more involved than she wants to be because she, she does care or, or, or well, at least no, wants to care. No, 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 no. That's, And that's fair enough. That's the thing that Jessica, I mean, but that's the thing. That's, that's who Jessica is. And like I say, though, the trajectory for Jessica though, is in a positive direction. It's just slow. Whereas Trish, it's like this season sort of like revealed that she doesn't want to be a hero because she cares about people. She wants to be a hero to be special. It's for herself, you know? And so it's the same reason why she wants to be at CNN or whatever they were calling it. You know, it's like, she was like, she didn't want, to just have the position to do it she wanted it to be all on her and she wanted it to be her achievement which i understand but at the same time it was about her being 
you know, bigger and, and more important and for people to look at her with, you know, respect and everything. So. And, of course, it goes while she's having withdrawal. Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> which is, because the train wreck TV. we knew was going to happen. Because as soon as she got the call that where they said, can you come in tomorrow? I was like, and then there's no more in the inhaler. And that's what happened. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, it's it's that's a very obvious personality difference between them. Where if Trish had, oh, I don't know, saved the city, she would mention it and it would be there and there would be references to it. Whereas Jessica helps save the entire city, you know, from immortal dragon eaters. And it's not referenced once. Well, no, it was mentioned once. And it was in passing. She just said, God, I'm never going to live that down or something like that. No, I don't. There was one quick little reference to the event that happened with the Defenders. Well, she mentioned Matt dying once. Huh? Um, she said the last yeah. time she teamed up, someone died. Yeah. yeah. Let me let me let me ask. I want to ask Angie and Stephanie this because uh, I I don't have a, a relationship with a sister, uh, but I, I this is what I think after what we've kind of been talking about. <laughs> Stephanie doesn't it, either. Well, but, but, but Stephanie has friends who are girls. Okay. And so this is, you know, each it, – it, 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 this reminds me a little bit of the um, uh, the book by John Knowles, a separate piece, where each sees the other as having all of the positive traits. You know, uh, Trish didn't need the money and could have had a normal life, but what she wants is – Fame, and we're, I'm putting that in air quotes. You know, whatever that whatever that means. If not on the radio, if not on TV, if not as a pop star, then then as a as a vigilante hero. Uh, you know, she wants Jessica's life. Jessica has this these powers she didn't ask for. This ability that causes nothing but trouble, and she just wants to be to to live. A normal life. She doesn't want to be special. So each is looking at the other one as 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 an ideal. And and this is this is why as characters they're uh, in, in this particular sense star crossed. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think it's fair. I think Trish has an added layer. I mean Jessica, I think very transparently. You know, as you have a family, even if your mom kind of sucks, like your family's here, you have all this, you don't want for anything. Right. Um, Trish, I feel like, has this added layer of, she's the girl with everything but any measure of autonomy. She has yeah. no control over anything her entire life. Right. And so I think the events of the first season where she's an adult now, she's kind of, she's determining her own destiny, but she still can't defend herself when she gets attacked. She still right. can't save anybody. She can't, she doesn't, she sees that control that she's kind of built around herself just slip away. And I think that causes this obsessive behavior and she sees Jessica and, and abilities as her ticket to being in control. And again, she is an addict, so she approaches everything with this obsessive behavior, um, which, you know, I would have appreciated, like I said, some sort of comeuppance for her instead of just like, here's all you ever wanted for being a terrible human this season. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what's in store for her. That's true. I found it really interesting that the moment she sours on the boyfriend is when he collaborated with the mother to set up, you know, the proposal. And when she finds out that this was like all a game that they had played, because she's been controlled by her mother for so long that to find out that even this moment has been, you know, controlled by her mother, you know, sours her. I'm not sure, like, if he had proposed to her privately, 
that she would have said no. It was they made this big hoo-ha and it was a publicity event rather than being like an honest like, hey, here's like this little cafe or something and I'm going to propose to you in candlelight or something like that. You know, so I find that interesting because I think that that is part of it. She, she, she can't stand the, the control that she's had that people have had over. her. You know, um, about that, I, I hadn't really thought about that way, Nathan, but that does make a lot of sense. But I do have to say, it was really refreshing for me to see that all his sneaking around behind her back was to set up that proposal. Like when you yeah. saw him, yeah, <laughs> making the secret phone calls and doing the flash drive into her computer, you think, oh, he's going to steal her story. He's, yeah, yeah. And to find out, no, it was just he wanted to pull off this romantic gesture. I was actually thinking he was in with the murderer. Uh huh. So did I. That he was part of the fiendish organization that, you know, they were dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, I was totally thinking he was part of IGH, and I was like, oh, poor Trish. And <laughs> that happened, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's better. <laughs> yes, that was definitely one of the good curveballs that they threw. And it's nice to show that a relationship cannot work without, you know, one of the people just being a totally horrible person. Well, I'm gonna, Trish may be a totally horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and, and remind everybody that one of the things that makes the Marvel comics so strong is that their heroes were had feet of clay. They were relatable. And, of course, uh, most typically this is expressed through Spider-Man. But uh, but but it's the Fantastic Four as well. It's the Avengers. You know, well, um, Demon in a Bottle with Iron Man. Right, Demon in a Bottle with Iron Man. Uh, Daredevil was was in constant danger of people finding out his secret identity. Uh, so, and, and and of course, Jessica Jones uh, hits the hits comics fully uh, formed in this regard. Uh, in, in in that she shows up with all of her damage in place, you know, and so it, we get to see her deal with that. So I think that I think that in terms of of behaving. Uh, in their own unique idiom, uh, Jessica Jones may be the best interpretation of that of that idea of of, of Marvel characters being larger than life than having feet of clay. You know, she she's only got one real superpower, but we see, but we they've done a really good job of showing you what the effects of just a single ability like that those kind of ramifications on the real world, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, and they do it in a way that the movies kind of do and kind of don't. And, uh, and so I think that, uh, I think that the fact that she is probably never going to get her shit together is part of what makes going to make the, uh, season three so much fun to watch. <laughs> you know, uh, I do want to ask about that because you said, Mark, you said that she only has the one power. And that's my question. They implied there was the one scene in season one they implied where she might be able to fly. No, it's because she jumps really well. So it's just like the Hulk where the Hulk can jump because of her super strength. Her jump is super powerful. So it's like she flies. Uh, OK, then her leg muscles just uh, compared to her arm muscles just must be totally, totally out of proportion. I mean, sure. That, why not? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, she can jump several stories up. I mean, they showed her in suburbia jumping into the sky and disappearing and not landing. No, 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 no. She jumped up, grabbed like a fire escape or something, held on and then fell. In season one, in season one, she was in a a lawn and she jumped up. There were no she wasn't in New York or not in the city anyways and uh, jumped up and disappeared. But yeah, every time I've seen her jump, there was something nearby that I figured she was just perched on top of that. She jumped really high up. 
But one thing I want to talk about with Trish before we move on is the fact that because of when this show went into production, they could not have predicted the Me Too movement when this show was in production. And I thought that that was just really, like, perfect timing, that that was, you know, the thing that they went with with Trish. And I don't the... know if I would say that they couldn't predict that was happening. No, 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 no. They couldn't have predicted the movement. Of course it's happened. It's been happening in Hollywood for as long as there's been a Hollywood, and no, people I mean, have known people it. but coming out, that was already happening. It's just it happened to get really big. It hadn't codified yet. Well, yeah, it hadn't hashtagged when they started the, making the show. Cos- Cosby had broke right. uh, by the b- before then, and uh, some other some other people had been uh, called out for for bad behavior, but and it, it was, hadn't uh, it, it had it hadn't formed behind a yeah yeah it hadn't formed behind a banner right 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 so so yeah no I just thought that that was uh, really good timing on on putting that you know part of that story together and everything and of course the reactions of everybody and I love how everybody just took a shot at the guy yeah. no it was <laughs> definitely great timing you know and, and just the whole attitude about it and everything and showing like what people like that think and everything it's just like well you threw yourself at me and it's like you know, when it's a 15 year old, you know, there's still something wrong with you, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely, completely and totally. No, I, uh, that was, uh, that, that was one, that was one of the scenes that, that made me really uncomfortable because it, it made me, um, first of all, it, it, I had some sympathy for Trish in this situation because maybe because, uh, all of the times up and me too stuff was so, you know, prevalent, because uh, you're a time. good human being, that's why. Well, but also, yeah, I mean, you know, you you want to you want to think that there's no such thing as a casting couch anymore because it's such a, a terrible cliche. But then, you know, you find out not only is the casting couch alive and well, but it's now a a dungeon, and you come out of it different, you know. And uh, clearly, Trish, you know, Trish, she's got her own things that she's dealing with and and she doesn't have the she doesn't have the outlet that, that Jessica has you know Jessica makes it kind of clear a couple of times that you know punching things helps you know <laughs> uh, I you know drinking helps uh, and punching things I really like punching things that's really good that makes me feel good solves and problems it solves problems it's very direct it's very it's very forthright uh, and I think Trish she never got any guidance she just stopped being famous one day and 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 sure mom got her cleaned up and she got a radio show but but i don't know that she ever really acknowledged what that lifestyle did to her at least if she if she did we haven't seen it yet we have not because the fact that she was so willing to trade on it and go back into it and and revisit aspects of it uh tells me that 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 uh she hadn't fully dealt with it you know she 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 oh oh i got addicted to drugs yeah that's a problem in this lifestyle no it's the lifestyle <laughs> it's not the the drugs were a symptom you know you were yeah. the drugs were to cope with the lifestyle and that's what she has not addressed yet uh well, and, 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 I, and i'm no therapist um uh, but uh i uh have seen one so i know <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to say, but I played one on, you know, in a, in a, in a play, you know, or something like that. <laughs> but t- to your point, I, 
Trish has no other frame of reference except being a child That's right. star. That's right. She doesn't least, know how to be a human. Yeah. 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 At least Jessica had a life prior to having abilities, so she can, right. she's got that to call on. Although, you know, Mom's Return may have messed that up a little bit. But, yeah, Trish doesn't know how to not be famous. Right. Oh, and oh, poor Jessica, too, when, like, her gl- rose glass, like, illusion of her happy family was shattered by the mom. Like, we were going to get a divorce, and your brother knew all about it, and, you know, everything else, or it's just like, oh, you know. Just twist the knife, you Right, know? exactly. <laughs> it was never as good as you thought it was. Well, but that's but that's that's real. That's a very common thing with memory, especially childhood memory, and uh, and, and I'm not saying that she shouldn't have gone back and explored that. But uh, we find out real early in season two, she never buried her family. Yep. She literally has not said goodbye to them. She kept them in a storage locker. That is hmm. that is effed up. And actually, different. she didn't even keep them. Trish was keeping them for her. Yeah, yeah. So I, here, here, here's something so painful. I, I don't even want to acknowledge that I that I can't deal with it. <laughs> and the horror when the one with her brother gets scattered all over the place. Oh. She's like, you're standing in him. <laughs> it's heart, it's heartbreaking and also uh, sad and a little scary because you're talking about some deep, mm. deep problems here. You know. So, so, so I want to ask a question. Um, how much of the emotional underpinning of this season do we think comes from the fact that it was this entire season was directed by female directors? Oh, I noticed that uh, about about halfway through, and went back and checked, and I just I thought this is awesome, this is so cool, I, because here's what I like about it: I didn't know about it until I was halfway through it. I would much rather they not do a press release and just do it. <laughs> oh, see, they did press release before it came. See, I knew before it even came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then the PR department's terrible because I didn't see it. Uh, but I think that. But I, I think that's awesome. And I and I and I think that uh, going forward, I I don't want to see. I don't want to see people telling me what 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 we should do, what we ought to do, what we need to do. What I want to see is action. I want to see just go just hire female directors to do this show. Just put a female showrunner in charge. Do it. <laughs> it's not hard, you know. The, all the the agency is there, you know. If you if you think something should be changed, change it. Do it. I'm all for it. We've 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 had our shot for two thousand years. Men have been running things, and and the and it's never been worse. I here's the deal, ladies. You cannot possibly make it any worse. <laughs> you can't make it any that, worse. That's a great. I just saw a meme that was just like that. That it's like you know, it's amazing in this day and time that people still wonder if like a woman can make you know that that Patty Jenkins could make a great superhero movie when after things like Fantastic Four and Electra and for the love of God, Catwoman, who <laughs> Angie. Um, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that that had an impact on the way that you know things were you know done in the season and the way that they were showing the sort of emotional center here to all these characters? Um, I'm going to be totally honest. I also missed the press release and I didn't know uh, until after I had seen the season that it was all female directors. So I wasn't looking for it um, while I was watching and I couldn't tell. If there was differences, they were subtle and they were subtle enough that it, it 
wasn't obvious to me without knowing ahead of time. What do you think, Stephanie? Well, I heard about the press release and then I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> Cause I have the memory retention of a gnat sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> however, kind of like Angie, I mean, I don't think there was necessarily any difference in that, which just kind of goes to prove the point that Mark was just making of just do it, have women direct things because what difference does it really make other than the fact that we haven't been able to when we've wanted to for a long time? Right. Well, the really great thing about this and what even Berlanti, I mean, Berlanti ought to get a little bit of credit, too, because he's been actively trying to hire more female directors to do his shows also, is that it's putting things on their resume. Exactly. So that they can then go and, and go to other shows and be like, I've already done the action superhero TV show. So I can do this kind of thing. And I mean, they already established that Jessica is a very emotional, a very troubled and realistic series while still dealing with the fantastic. Yeah. And they continue doing that with this season. It's just instead of dealing with a a domestic partner that was being horrifically abusive. Right. Um, you now had the complex relationship that a lot of women do have with their mothers. Yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate and have a fantastic relationship with my mother. So I really, I, I kind of felt more with Jessica at the end when she was just kind of like idolizing her mom and they had worked through most of what were their perceived problems because, oh my God, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I just have too good of a mom to like that. <laughs> so I was just like, yes, I can understand why Jessica adores her mommy because I love my mommy too. And then I'm like, wait, but my mom is not a psychopathic murderer. And okay. Yeah. I'm losing my train of thought here. <laughs> no, I, no I, th- I think, I think, I, I think you're spot on, you know, uh, you know, the first season, you know, the second season was basically 90% less rapey, but it was that, but it was replaced with, uh, complicated emotional relationships. And I think, uh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't maybe have done it any other way. I, but, uh, I, I think maybe the female directors might not have overall had, had an overall, uh, huge impact, but I think, you know, maybe if, if maybe, maybe it was the, it was the intangibles, you know, maybe having a female director made it easier to play out a scene because you have somebody there who, who gets where you're trying to go, you know, maybe it's a case of, uh, we've got, you know, uh, she's got an insight that, that you wouldn't have gotten from Mitch, the, the dude from uh, Fork in the Road, Ohio, uh, who, who knows Jeff Lowe from college, and that's how he got this gig. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we don't see it up front. Maybe it's all on the back end. But uh, but again, it, I say it doesn't matter. I say we just do it. You know, yeah. um, if if all of season three is the same way, um, as long as the story line is smart and clever, like the first two seasons have been, uh, I, I don't care. I you know, uh, I th- I think it's a I think it's a good thing to do. I think it's overdue. And uh, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who missed the press release because I was about to feel like a chart my head. No, I, I was just curious about perceptions on that because I felt like Jessica had a more positive bent on this and a more positive trajectory. So I thought that might come from the women, of course, directing this, wanting to give her more agency. And it was interesting that you guys felt like it, it, it doesn't matter at all. But I did notice there my... was less action in this season. I mean, there yeah. You know, and, and that was one of my complaints at the time about maybe not enjoying it so much. 
Um, I got so stoked when they stopped the bus. <laughs> that was the most exciting <laughs> thing. Oh, right, right, yeah. Um, and I realized, like, this season just didn't have a lot. I mean, the first season didn't have a ton. It wasn't like Daredevil, but mm-hmm. you had, you know, a couple of fight, uh, you know, fight sequences. Um, and then you had basically everything Kilgrave did was the physicality was really important. And I, I, I noticed that. Um, but in, tonally, it didn't seem... I wouldn't have have put that together with female directors necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, tonally it seemed just not as appropriate to yeah, have action. Watch season. Wonder Woman and see that female directors have nothing to do with if there's action or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Well, well, we well, can go I, down this rabbit hole quite a ways, but uh, well, sure. I'm just addressing this idea of having female directors. Well, they don't have, they have never worked on action things on their resumes. I don't, you know, there was less action in this season, but I don't know that well, that has to do with you it. Well, you know, Catherine, Catherine Bigelow would disagree with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, so it's it, it has nothing to do with uh, with that. That is, and, and anybody who says, "Oh, women don't know how to handle direction," um, not that they don't know, or, or no, that that action action directing is not their forte. Uh, I always I always go, you know, if, if Catherine Bigelow were here, I would punch uh, them for I would punch you for her because uh, Near Dark is is nearly a perfect movie, uh, and uh, not only that, uh, The Hurt Locker is one of the is one of the best. Uh, modern war films uh, ever, and uh, and that's and that's all Bigelow, you know. She's a badass. She's been one of my favorite directors ever since Near Dark. So oh, it, I, I, that's a non-criticism. I feel. Yeah. Regarding the action, I think a lot of that is just the the setup of the story. Uh, season right. one had a lot more both external and internal conflict, but the internal conflict in season one was a direct result of the external threat being Kilgrave. And season one also had Jessica going up against Luke Cage at one point. And literally there were mind controlled zombies everywhere you look. There was Simpson was a a much stronger presence than he was this season. Um, In this season, there were only two physical threats to her, her mother and the, um, the op, the opposing uh, detective agent, uh, whose name I forget. Oh, yeah, so, we we yeah. can all forget him. It's okay. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it was all internalized. And he, he he's argue, a tool. Yeah, yeah, you could argue. Well, he, he was smart enough to hire Malcolm, but um, <laughs> you can argue that that's a result of female directors. Uh, I I don't know. No, no. specifically, but, yeah. arguing that that is not. Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah. can't really. Can't really yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not. But I, it's it's the story. The story, I think just sets that up for whoever's directing it, uh, man or woman. Um, yeah. I do think that there was an, the, the side story that we haven't really touched on was, um, Jerry's story and her whole, I've been waiting to bring this up. That's, yeah. that's my biggest, <laughs> see, this is my gripe with the season. Jerry was in a different show for most of the season. It was like, Oh, we're back in the Jerry show that has nothing to do with what's going on with Jessica, except the tiny, tiny little bit. I was going to go with, can we talk about that completely unnecessary side plot? That was so gratifying and seeing this terrible character have terrible things. happen. <laughs> we do get a foggy cameo also which was you know very nice did you guys really see i 
I, I felt sorry for her, man. I really did, you know? Well, no, I mean, but the thing is, it had nothing to do with the plot. I mean, it was so tacked on to the rest of the season. Agreed, but I couldn't look away. her revenge, though. Right, yeah, I see. I had no problem with watching it. It just felt like... It was so out there. It, it wasn't integrated very well, yeah, into what was going on with everybody else. Well, here's the deal. She is clearly one of the pieces of connective tissue between the series, right? Between she's Danny Rand's lawyer. She's uh, worked with uh, Nelson and Murdoch, sort of. She uses Jessica Jones for sneaky things, and uh, and, and is and is by everything we've seen fairly unscrupulous and also kind of necessary at the same time. We're probably not going to get anything else from her well she may she may do a cameo in luke cage because i think iron man iron fist is going to be in this with heroes for hire uh and, but but daredevil is, is going to come out at the end of the year so we're not going to see daredevil until at the end of the year and when she when we left off with her in, in season one she was covered in glass and and in a very bad place and they have not addressed that what has happened to her uh they they didn't address it in iron fist at all it just sort of like you know your traumas did not happen they didn't address it in the in the defenders there needed to be an answer for you know kind of the trajectory of her life and this was a good place to put it because you already had all of these other characters uh, that were on their own paths, there was certainly enough room uh, early on for her to have a, a little bit of a subplot that will at least move her into the next series. I didn't mind so much. I felt that uh, it, it was uh, what happened to her was very heartbreaking, especially the confidence game. I think that in the case of, of where to put her, uh, what what series she would have gotten the the most time in? I I think I think she was fine in Jessica Jones. Granted, uh, her subplot meant nothing to whatever everything else that was going on. But she's a character that I have that I've been following with interest through the other series. So I was grateful to see her, even as terrible things continue to happen to her and she manages to ride that boat. I like Carrie Ann Moss, so sue me. I, I'm <laughs> glad she's in the series. I've thought she's a horrible person in all of the show, in every show she's made an appearance in. Um, in this Marvel well, Universe. I'm talking about Jerry, not the actress. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but, but in Iron Fist, she was yeah. she was pretty above board. She was like a family friend. Because she had that respect. Yeah, she had that respect for Danny's dad, so she was willing to go like the extra mile for him. I agree, and everything else she's been kind of underhanded. But there, I th- I felt like she was doing it just because she she loved Danny's dad. That's the thing; is she only had that personal connection to him. It was totally a selfish act. There, she's just never been anything other than selfish. And so, I, I took perverse pleasure in all the crap happening to her. <laughs> and then, at the same time, though, I was like, "Damn, girl, you go with that whole yeah." The whole- the meaning of our favorite guns or our favorite arms dealer that we see in every show yes. always getting beaten up by people. <laughs> yeah. For, forget Claire or, you know, forget Jerry. Turk is the connective tissue yes. Yes. that connects all, all these right. shows. <laughs> that is kind of funny. Right. <laughs> 
He's always there dealing arms to somebody. <laughs> yeah, because Jessica Jones was the one show he hadn't appeared in yet. Now he has. So. Yep. You checked him off. Right. Hey, every, everybody's got an electric bill to pay. You know? <laughs> the other thing about the Jerry subplot with that, it did show us how clever Malcolm is, which I liked that as well with the meeting with the partner and how he sort of played the partner, you know, in, in Jerry's firm and everything. I liked that. And I liked that it showed that it was it was small. It was short. It was only a very brief part of that subplot. But that was the real main connection was that it allowed Malcolm to move forward. I also thought it was great that while Jerry wouldn't hire him because she didn't or he didn't have his license and everything, she basically was like, I'm writing you a very, very large check. Go get your license and, <laughs> and And, you know, it's funny because, you know, Ryan, you said before that, you know, uh, the guy uh, who I, – I can't remember his name, but the other PI was smart enough to hire Malcolm. I don't think that was it, though, even though it was a smart move. He just wanted to take something from Jessica. Again, it can be both. Yeah, I don't get that guy. He's worthless. And Jerry probably suggested him to him. Price. Price. Um, I actually – I think the Jerry subplot um, – I think it did two things. This, I mean, the the entire series has this under, you know, this this uh, thread about control going all the way through it. First season, Kilgrave obviously is a bit on the nose. You know, I think that a lot of Trisha's story is about her lack of control. Jerry is the one who has had a lot of control and been in control, and so having her lose it or lose her sense of control this season, I think, was pretty interesting. Um, the other thing was that it gave us some more street level world building. Like this is somebody with a terminal illness, but you're in a world with powers and mad scientists. What do you do? And what are your options? Yeah, because it's it's believable that there could have been uh, someone who could heal. Oh yeah, I mean right. we we all ex- we all suspected it was a con, but at the same time, no, I, I knew it was a con from the moment she brought it up. I was yeah. like, this is this is a game because everything the guy said, it was played exactly the way Jerry said to the woman that it was going to be played. And I was like, she's calling yep. her friend in the prison and feeding him all the lines. And, and Jerry's so smart. You think she would catch it, but she's desperate because she's yeah. dying. Yeah, she needs the fix and she will do anything to get i thought it was going to play into the igh storyline that she was gonna like do some gene editing or something yeah because you know i thought it might have something to actually do with the plot of the season but (laughs) But yeah it it, it does seem like a misstep that does seem like a misstep but but that could still come up none of this is a is a wrapped package but but you know what's going to happen right Danny Rand is going to channel his key into into her, and he's going to heal her. Maybe is is that what the kids are calling? <laughs> <laughs> but you see, this is something the TV shows can do that the movies can't. They can go down these tangents that may or may not come uh, to anything later on in another series or wherever. The movies have to be every second is accounted for. But the TV show can say, hey, we can we can fill some space with Jerry. We've got this great actress. We need to put her on there. Let's do this. And maybe something comes from it next season. Maybe it doesn't. But let's see what happens. And, and you can simultaneously enjoy her getting her comeuppance and also appreciate just the sheer, like, you know, Frank Underwoodness of what she does <laughs> at the end. And it's just... That was so brilliant. I loved it. I knew I, I, you know, at first I was a little worried. I was like, Jerry, you're too smart for this. But then as soon as she called the woman into the car, I was like, oh, I know what this game is. Okay. Nope. You're doing it right. You know, that was fantastic. I loved her little smirk when the gun went off and she just (laughs) calmly calls 911. There's been a shooting. (laughs) 
<laughs> I totally planned it, but I didn't pull the trigger. And uh, yeah, you realize yeah. that like, she's the one who has the disease, but she's the most powerful character in the entire series. Uh, I, I, but I don't want to uh, breeze over Malcolm too much. I did kind of mention him in connection with the Jerry arc, but you know, Malcolm, I feel so bad for him because you know he's got a thing for Trish, and Trish completely manipulates him, and Jessica gets upset with him because he didn't talk, and he, you know, he should have. But once again, it's like understanding where he's coming from and he, he's done nothing but be selfless with jessica and for the, him to then go okay well then i if you if you don't value me then i'm just gonna find someone who does you know and i mean it's good on him that he could turn it into a positive like that but i also felt awful because of the fact that i you know he's probably the best character in the sense of moral in this series, and he had so much bad handed to him, you know, and had to deal with so many, so much crap from other people. This kind of feels like it's a almost like a Marvel Netflix requirement that in season two you have to break up the team. Daredevil did the exact same thing. We and, only have Daredevil to go on. Yeah, though, I know. So. Well, we're two for two now, aren't we? Well, sure. <laughs> we'll see in so Luke Cage if like he and Claire are on the outs, and you know, bad stuff's happening, and we'll know that it's a thing. Well, yeah, that's true. We'll find out. You know. I guess I would have liked a little bit more of Malcolm as sidekick. Well, I think you're going to be uh, eating those words when uh, Luke Cage season two comes out because that's going to be about everybody com- coming together. You see if it's not. I, I will bet you a plugged nickel that uh, by the end of season two, we've got either Heroes for Hire or Nightwing Investigations or both happening. So – that's uh, that's where I think. But we're going they could still they could still do that and have a falling out because it could be like Luke and Danny on one side and Misty and, <laughs> <laughs> and Colleen on the other. You know, so it's they Netflix could, Civil War, right? Exactly. <laughs> so they could have a breakup and a team up at the same time. So who who hurt you two? <laughs> Show me on the doll where they hurt you. Why can't we have nice things, huh? I just I just just want what I want to happen to happen. Right. That's all. No, That's I know. We'll see. For. This is my, you know, I, I've, I've wanted them to just merge the two shows and just make it a heroes for higher show. But I don't think we're going to get that. I think that they, they want to have, you know, more shows out there. So, and Disney won't let them have any more. So I think they're going to stick with a separate Luke Cage and separate Iron Fist. I mean, to be fair, we, for all the grief we give Iron Fist up until I don't, actually, I don't know the numbers for defenders, but, uh, it, it had more viewers than any of the rest of the Netflix series. So, it, well, the thing that I read was there were more downloads the opening night than any of the other shows. Not that it had more viewers total, but the opening night it had more downloads. That everybody was like, "Damn, <laughs> <laughs> it took so much effort to get through that show." Um, all right, we're not gonna we're not gonna rag on Iron Fist. We're not gonna rag on Iron Fist. <laughs> This right. is only my third podcast with you where I'm complaining about Danny. <laughs> and one of those was the Iron Fist Step, podcast. Me, I, I, all I can tell there, there will be a course correction. There will be a course correction, Steph, I promise. One thing that these that they've been pretty good about doing, they have been pretty responsive, as, 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 as responsive as they can be given the uh, length of production. Uh, towards listening to what people are saying, both in the movies and in the and on and on the TV shows. One of my favorite Danny Rand moments, though, is when Jessica tells him to shut up. Yeah. 
I like it when Luke asks him when he fought the dragon and then tells him he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, Jessica can be a. I, I hope that she gets cameos in uh, in Luke Cage. That would be good. I just wanted to see a little bit more of her. Uh, I was thinking it might be interesting for Jessica to meet Frank. Oh yeah, that'd be great. I thought that would be a really interesting pairing. Oh, especially with what they've done with uh, with the Punisher. That would be that would be fantastic. Totally. Someone who can't get overkilling and someone who, you know, has no problem with it whatsoever. <laughs> and both have severe family issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and PTSD. Uh, I, I, I feel like those two could play off each other in a really interesting way. All right. Well, you know. You're back in my good graces again. That was a good idea. <laughs> but, you know, but Jessica, she can't get drunk with him. She can't have sex with him. So it's, it's, she's going to end up punching him. That's, there you go. That's, you can take her punches, I'm sure. <laughs> you, you just tick off Jessica's hierarchy of needs. It's not a pyramid so much as it's a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so um, before... Before we get too far afield, although it's too late probably, um, does anyone have anything else to say about Malcolm? Uh, well, just that uh, uh, I was really uh, – to me, that was the biggest heartbreak of the series was because he's the one that stuck by her when no one else would. you know, And, uh, and she's the one that took care of him when he couldn't take care of himself. And I love – the as the writer in me and 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 the the pop culture uh, reviewer loves the the dichotomy of the fact that 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 she's pushing away everybody that was actually good for her. You know, Malcolm was good for her. He kept her on a schedule. He 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 kept her. You know, not sober, but he was at least a model of sobriety for her. Ironically, uh, since he was an abuser himself. Well, right, exactly, and and so, but that was that was part of his arc being, you know, uh, that that he had changed, he had had moved past it, and the fact that he had backslid because of Trish, and uh, is now on a different path, uh, just breaks my heart. You yeah, know? it's. I mean, his his tender addiction aside, he's the the moral center of the show mm. in a lot of ways. Well, and the fact that he finished fixing her wall even after she fired him, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my god, he's even back in there finishing up because you know he wants to have a clean break, and it's like, oh my, that's so sad. That's <laughs> that's respect. See, that's respect. You know, uh, you finish your you finish your obligations, and then you can and then you can walk. And and nobody can say that 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 you were unfair or that mm. you didn't you know you didn't do your part you know I think that's I think that was important for him I think that's important in general I definitely you know? hope he and Jessica make up more than I hope she and Trish does right, right. and that's what yeah. I'm hoping for too because I feel like the break between them is an easily healed yeah. rift whereas the one between her and Trish it, like I said it would feel false if within a couple of episodes it's like hey let's go back to where we were you know I gotta it's admit like, when we watched the last episode I did say to Tim that I had a feeling Trish would become the next antagonist for the show actually because he was going on about her becoming a superhero, and I'm like, I think that they're setting her up more to be an antagonist now. Anti-hero, maybe like Punisher. Yeah. 
But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see her being evil. I, I can see I see her well, doing the I wrong thing for the right reason. Character, I said the antagonist. Yeah, right. Okay. Fair point. Because they can be after the same goal, but going after it in different ways and getting each other's way, and she's still an antagonist at that point. So. Because no sleep till Hellcat. <laughs> You're gonna be waiting a long time. Mark. No, no sleep till Hellcat. <laughs> it's 2019. Done. No sleep till Hellcat. I'm telling you, that that needs to happen. She uh, she can get the claws from uh, Colleen. Uh, she can get the battle sticks from anybody. Uh, you know. She's already got like a tactical suit. All she needs is is half a mask and and and, and put a red wig on over it. She's theatrical, and we're golden. You know, oh, she can still be the I think she has to be Hellcat to to actually make up with Jessica. She has to be the superhero and have it blow up in her face and yes. understand where Jessica is coming mm-hmm. from. Otherwise, I don't think that they can make up at all. Right. All it, of this fits for her being the next antagonist. Yeah, yeah, she's gonna be. She's Jessica's gonna feel like she's got to try and stop her, and and Trish isn't gonna want to be stopped, and that's gonna be that's where the conflict is gonna arise. I um, still hope though that they cameo her in one of the other shows before we get to Jessica Jones season three, like you know, in in Iron Fist or Punisher or somewhere else. She could totally know. appear in Daredevil season three. You know. I am surprised Trish Talk didn't show up and punish her. Well, except that for the views that the person was expressing on the talk show, that would feel really wrong for Trish to be like the pro-gun, like, yeah, everybody should have guns, which was what they're trying to set up. The talk show host and Punisher was the pro-gun guy. And so you needed to, you couldn't have Trish doing that role. I don't know. I mean, she's packing. Well, <laughs> true. But, but but not not for the same reason. Right. Right. She, she occupies more of the... Um, Karen role in that scene where Karen was kind of like, I see some merit to guns, but I don't think it should be like a rah, 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 everybody should pack kind of thing. Because, yeah, at first I thought the same thing, but then when I saw the views that the talk show host was expressing in Punisher, I was like, oh, that's why Trish wouldn't work because they're not going to have Trish being like that. The other, I mentioned the fact that the uh, Jerry subplot was one of the things that bothered me about this season. The other thing that, like, I know no one else is going to care about, but that bothered me was what they did with the wizard. <laughs> because that is a World War II hero that they turned into some, like, loser schlub joke that dies offhand. I don't, th- I, I don't think it's the, I don't think it was the joke. I think, I think, you know, the fact that he actually had super speed was cool now again you have to you have to acknowledge the only reason that they used that name is because it's funny you would a modern day character would never call himself the wizard yeah but they're ruining my invaders movie mark Ah. (laughs) nathan nathan we could discover that that's what he was called in honor of his grandfather or some character from the, he's too you know. young to have been a golden age superhero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that doesn't mean there can't have still have been one from the I 40s. see. Well, here's here's the deal. There there is not going to be an Invaders movie. <laughs> so <laughs> but I can dream, Mark. I can dream. Phase 7. Just saying uh unless we figure out a way to retroactively go back in and shoehorn the the Human Torch Andrew Android, uh, and uh, well, we kind of had that, but uh, we have to get Namor in there, and then we have to find somebody to be Union Jack, and and then you got to put uh, Haley, um, 
what's her name uh, in the uh, in the Miss Fury suit. Uh, this is a bad idea, buddy. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> it's a great idea that they're just not going to do, but it's a great idea. I'm with Nathan on this one. <laughs> I, I I feel like we've divided the room. Uh, I uh, I was very I was very happy that that the wizard. Uh, got a brief moment in the sun before bricks fell on his head. Oh, <laughs> oh you hurt Cause, me. Because the option was going to be to not ever have a character called the wizard in anything ever in a million years, ever, never, never. In this case, um, you know, we have speedsters represented ably elsewhere. So... Uh, and, and we've had, and we've had Quicksilver I, I, in. I, I don't know about Abley in the MCU since all that Quicksilver was good for was stopping bullets. Well, we, we've got Yo-Yo. We've had Quicksilver. Uh, if you want to be very broad-minded about it, we also had Quicksilver in in the X-Men. Well, yeah, but you can't count that as the MCU. Okay, uh, but but I'm just saying that it's not like you know there's been a dearth of of super speedsters. That we've had to kind of you know contend with. I just don't like that they used up that character when there needs to be an Invaders movie. That's all. <laughs> all right. You're okay. Right. It, it's, your, it's your show. You get, to, you get this is your Look. world. I'm just uh, I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut. <laughs> okay. And um, was anyone else disappointed when they killed off Simpson? Yes. Yeah. That was. Yeah, that was. I felt wasteful. Because I wanted Simpson to come back, but I wanted him to come back hyped up on the stuff and have him be an antagonist, not necessarily in Jessica Jones, but, you know, because he's Nuke in the comics. I kind of expected them to do with him kind of what they did with uh, uh, Fisk in season two of Daredevil, where you go the entire season, you forget all about him, and then like episode eight, he shows up, you know, and you, and he's there for a few episodes. I just I don't know. It felt like like I get the, I get that they just kind of threw him away to set Trish on her path, mm-hmm. but it just it felt like he he would have been much better. As like you said, fighting Jessica. At least then you would have had someone else who she could go toe to toe with besides her mom. Well, yeah, and you still could have had him pass on the thing to Trish and get like yeah. horribly wounded or something, where he's incapacitated the rest of the season or something like that. But then Trish has his inhaler and is like, "Oh, you know, maybe I'll try this." You know, so they, they didn't have to kill him. I think his arc had run its course in the first uh, season. I was I was really surprised that he came back, and then then when he didn't stick around, I was like, "Oh, cool, fine, all right, whatever." <laughs> yeah, I didn't give it much of a second thought, and I actually had to stop and think for a minute. Wait, who was this guy? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I just feel like the MCU in general kills off too many of its villains, so um, that was disappointing oh. to me. But you know, again, now that I'm thinking about it, in fairness, his death did lead Jessica to. The funeral of the doctor, which led her to, you know, into to finding her mother. So I guess, yeah, it was kind of a necessary step to get yeah. to get it all the ball rolling. I, I know I know people say that they kill off all the villains, but if you you know if you only knew how many villains there really are. Now, granted, <laughs> right. I don't want to see the unicorn fight Iron Man, <laughs> right. uh, nor nor the Melter, nor Paste Pot Pete. Paste oh, Pot Pete, yes, the, the Trapster. <laughs> Uh, I don't, you know, so I, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't kvetch about this, but um, they, they've, they've got villains to spare. They have only scratched the surface. We had, you know, uh, the Leaper, Batrick the Leaper in, <laughs> right. in uh, Winter Soldier. Cap- yeah, so. yeah, yeah, Winter Soldier, yep. <laughs> we did. 
Not to mention they could always make someone brand new. Yeah, like mom. You know? Or a combination of like five of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't want them to do that too much either because there is, you know, I mean, I, I want to see characters that I'm familiar with. But I do like it when they th- change things up every now and then and do something like with the mom. And then it's like, oh, this is completely new. So. I do think it would be nice to leave some villains alive that you don't have to introduce at all. Like you could bring him back in a season or two as a minor antagonist for an episode. Let me get, let me let me you give don't you... have to spend time in introducing. Oh, I love the Dark Knight when the Scarecrow is like a throwaway. Let me give you the counter to that. All right, um, we had uh, two really good Superman movies and then two Superman movies, and then Superman was dormant for a long time, and then Superman Returns comes out. And they pulled Lex Luthor back for another real estate deal because Lex is obsessed with land. And he's been in prison, so he's had time to perfect the scheme again. And I think one of the reasons that that movie did not do well is because because – Well, no. It was (laughs) – well, okay. There's lots of reasons, Mark. It's because – one of, one of the reasons is because we'd seen it before, yes. including including the villain. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I think that there's something to be said for getting new villains on screen uh, for a while. Because here's the deal. If at any point in time in the future they run out, then they can go back and say, oh, I didn't. I survived the fall off a cliff. Oh, you never really killed me. Oh, it was a life model decoy. Hail Hydra. You know, there's all sorts of wiggle room for this. But well, I see, think- see, here's the thing, Mark. I don't want us to use the bad behavior from the comics as an excuse <laughs> to do it in the TV shows or the movies. Bringing people back from the dead is the absolute worst thing that comics do. It's why, it's why I stopped reading comics. It is so ridiculous. It takes away any form of consequence from the storyline. I don't want them to play that game i would say i would say two taps to the back of the head is a pretty good consequence uh and the marvel cinematic universe has not had a problem with locking people up uh and in fact baron zemo doesn't die right right no no no. there there, have been a few yeah definitely that survive and live on so we've got and and hydra at least the remnants of hydra uh are still strong on the tv show at any point in time uh, Hydra can agree to spring Baron uh, uh, Baron Zemo out and 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 pick him up and say, "Hey, we need a new we need new blood. We need somebody that uh, has some vision." You brought the Avengers down with uh, with with three three notes and and a and a, a book of uh, gibberish. <laughs> uh, can you help us uh, fight the shield? So um, th- there's there's ways to do this, but I'm I'm all for. Uh, Digging a little deeper into the Marvel playbook, uh, it, it worked really well with Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh, there's already talk about doing um, uh, Craven and Mysterio for the next Spider-Man movie. Now, of course, that's just probably people blathering on the internet. <sighs> internet, but um, well, I just you know I'm I've I've officially decided I hate the internet. Um, <laughs> he says not, on the internet, not all of you. All of you out there listening are great. No, seriously, you're you're really wonderful. I mean that totally. Except for you, uh, that one guy. You know who you are. 
Yes, yes. Jeremy knows who he is, <laughs> and he knows what he's done. No, uh, but uh, but having that, uh, but having having those villains that we've never seen before is really exciting, you know. Uh, so so m- more of that, please. Or if you're gonna, or if we're gonna get a big bad, you know, um, the 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 teasing Thanos through, you know, basically three Avengers movies and two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Uh, anybody else would have called that career suicide, but uh, now it's about to pay off. There are other ways to bring characters back in an antagonistic way that don't violate your uh, never revive a corpse rule. And that is your rule, by the way. Right. It's just mine. No, it annoys I, me, too. I get really annoyed. Well, I mean, the MCU's already I, I resurrected, like, five or six characters. So. I, I know, and it, and it bothers me every time. It just hasn't gotten to the point. So here's the thing. When they get to the point that comics got to in the mid-'90s, where I felt like I had read comics for five years, and in that time, everything that had happened in the comics had been reversed, then that's when I gave up, because there was no consequence to anything that had happened, and everybody was back where they had started. When the when the MCU gets to that point, I'm out of the MCU. Well, that's what makes Jessica work and the street level shows work is that there yes. are these consequences and that, you know, she does kill someone and it does haunt her. And the fact that she kills this crooked security guard or a prison guard sends her down this whole demented path where, you know, Kilgrave shows back up uh, as a guilt induced uh, ghost. I mean, yeah, the, the moment we start bringing back people from the dead in, uh, aside from the hand, in Jessica Jones is when suddenly that potential for her to feel bad for these actions kind of disappears. Um, so, so I, I think we've been going on a little bit uh, long here. So um, why don't we get to our final thoughts? Um, so uh, just if there's anything you want to say about Jessica Jones that we haven't gotten to, I realize that it's hard to cover a whole season's worth of content in a single podcast. So um, Ryan, why don't we start with you? Um, final thoughts for Jessica Jones. Um, well, this discussion talking about the early relationship between Jessica and Trish now has me picturing them as Molly Ringwald and Ali Sheedy from The Breakfast Club. Um, <laughs> but uh, aside from that, my, my final thoughts on season two of Jessica Jones are that I liked it, but it kind of... This is So far, this is the only Netflix show that I haven't watched twice yet. Um, I enjoyed it while I was watching. I binged it in two days. Um, but maybe it's the fact that there wasn't as much action, that the conflict was more internal, and that while it dealt with consequences, it didn't have that sort of meta social commentary that the first one did. It just kind of, it it missed the tone missed just a little for me compared to the first one. I still enjoyed it. I still can't wait for season three, but uh, it just didn't impress me as much as season one. Uh, Just, just tee up on that. One other thing. uh, Is there anything from season three that you would like to say? Hellcat. Yeah. I'll I'll go ahead and say it before, you know, Mark it does. Although I think we all (laughs) all agree with that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'd like to see Hellcat. I'd like to see, uh, honestly, I'd just like to see something that's kind of a combination of one and two, where where you get that sort of uh, superhero action-y vibe from the first one, but you also get this tormented hero dealing with her internal conflicts in the second series. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Jessica Jones is the character I know the least about, so everything they do is a surprise to me. I didn't know that the mother wasn't a character in the comic books until I read about it after I watched it. All right. Uh, Angie, why don't you say uh, whatever final thoughts you have for season two and if there's anything that you'd like to see in season three? Yeah, season two 
I thought um, did a lot of really brave things, even braver than maybe the first season. Um, I think because there was a lot of focus on showing emotional trauma and its after effects, um, sometimes it just didn't hit. It wasn't as exciting to watch like the first season. So for the third season, um, yeah, much like Ryan, I would love if they could manage to walk the line between the two seasons and maybe have a villain who's a little stronger, who can maybe keep a stronger thread going through the season, but still balance it out with a lot of the the um, conflict and, and more personal conflict, street-level conflict, like they were doing in the second season, that would be fantastic. Oh, maybe a villain that's not so personally tied to Jessica. Um, Stephanie, what about you? Final thoughts for season two and anything you'd like to see in season three? Well, season two had what I always fear happening when we have a protagonist breaking and entering into a place. Um, I'm always so nervous when my characters decide to enter in some place like that. And this time we had the guy come back and Jessica had to deal with it somehow. Um, So I thought that was kind of awesome in the fact that we finally had somebody break in and not get away cleanly. Um, So that was just one little side note that I don't really think is worth having a whole conversation about, but I did really kind of like that they threw it in there. Um, And overall, um, I mean, Jessica is definitely one of my favorites of the uh, Netflix Marvel shows. It's her and Daredevil for different reasons. Uh, I don't think I could pick one or the other over each other. It's just Jessica, I, I love the fact that she is such a troubled character and they do handle issues that often overlooked or underplayed and that's just particularly from a woman's point of view and i think it's just fantastic that they're continuing with that and i hope with season three that we do continue getting these types of very realistic dealings with terrible drama and trauma while at the same time continuing to see jessica's growth and i i agree with Ryan and Angie that I would really love to see some sort of antagonist that definitely can challenge Jessica both physically and mentally and help her grow past these past traumas and hopefully maybe not create more drama for her but I don't know I also want her and Malcolm to become BFFs again (laughs) all right Mark final thoughts and what you'd like to see in season three i love a train wreck and (laughs) she is what my favorite train wreck to watch right now because her trains always have like clowns that come bounding out of the cars on fire you know (laughs) that's that's it's it's a spectacular train wreck and so uh uh i feel like these guys know what they're doing uh i feel like they've been real careful from the get-go um the show wanted a peabody award Award, which is huge, you know. Uh, I didn't know that. It did. It won a Peabody. So, awesome. y- yeah, one. yeah, season one. Oh, yeah, and, but oh, uh, awesome. it is. It's it's completely awesome, you know. And, and it's uh, and it's because of what it chose to cover and the way it chose to cover it. So, I I will forgive them, you know, Jerry the lawyer not being directly connected to the plot. I'll forgive them the sins of the mothers uh, pushing uh, Malcolm out of the out of the alias office because ultimately uh, it's going to be really, you know, tragedy is always better than than um, 
than drama. And 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 I and there's a real epic Shakespearean vibe in in her inability to get her together. So um, I, I'm I'm going to trust them. You know, so far I have not been disappointed with um, anything except the Inhumans. And when you when you consider how much they've put out in ten years. Not just the not just the nineteen movies, but all of the shows and all of the special things and the TV series and you know um, to only have one r- misstep like Iron Fist and one failure like the Inhumans and then everything else to be as good as Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage uh, and Spider Man Homecoming and and Captain America Winter Soldier and pick your favorite you know five Marvel movies to me that's a uh, uh, that's a level of trust that I have not been able to extend to uh, DC in in a decade, and and I've never been able to give it to Marvel before. I, I did not have that ability to trust them since 2008. Everything prior to that was a crapshoot. So I'm just happy that I don't have to, as a geek, fret about this. I don't have to fan myself. I don't have to stalk the internet. I don't have to defend them. I can just I can just enjoy the shows. So if you if for for the for the twelve of you out there that have been listening to this and go, what the hell is Jessica Jones? Uh, get a Netflix <laughs> subscription. It's available on your computer, uh, and you can use the internet to watch uh, this and, uh, and and get lost in it because it's awesome. Uh, I would recommend if you're going to do that, go ahead and take the Marvel Cinematic Universe plunge and watch them in the order that they were released because they do tell. A kind of linear story through the background, and the and the Netflix shows are no different. So start with Daredevil and go from there. And uh, is there anything you want to see in season three, Mark? No sleep till <laughs> dun 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 Hellcat. All right. Everything else can hang fire. I want Patsy Walker in a freaking Hellcat costume. You sound a little cray cray for Hellcat. <laughs> I, I never thought we'd get this far. I never, I never thought I would be able to say, yeah, yeah, you know, one of my favorite Avengers in the Avengers movies, plural, is Hawkeye. And I'm so happy that Ant Man and the Wasp are going to be joining the Avengers lineup in the movies. You know, but but before that even happens, I get to watch season two of Luke Cage Power Man, and they're going to get Heroes for Hire together with he and, and Iron Fist on Netflix. So the, the the notion of Hellcat is not a far fetched thing, and and uh, the fact that they're that they're kind of walking towards it anyways, I, I don't feel like I'm out of I don't feel like I'm in the weeds. I don't feel like I'm asking for say an Invaders movie. You know, you're going to be asking for Damon Hellstorm next. I just know it. I will no 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 no. I really like I really like I really liked Ghost Rider in in the Shield show. Uh, I think that's enough. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. For me, um, one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is that um, you know I felt like recently, especially after Runaways, that Marvel was really trying to back away from the it's all connected and was trying to kind of be like, uh, the TV properties can each be their own thing and the movies are going to be their own thing. But I was very pleasantly surprised to see not only a mention of Captain America, but repeated mentions of the raft. Um, you know, and to see that connective tissue continue on between the Netflix shows and the movies. 
And also to finally tell all the people who said, you know, after Civil War that Tony Stark was uh, for secret prisons, that the raft is not a secret prison. And this is my proof. Everyone knows about it. But they don't know where it is. They can't walk up to it in visiting hours. What? But how do you know that nobody knows where it is? All that it is is it's a holding center for superpowered people. Of course, I mean, somewhere in the mid-Atlantic, right? Or is it? The- <laughs> well, yeah. Why? I mean, it might have been on a news report or whatever. You don't know that. So, I mean, that's a ridiculous assertion. It's just like the vault in the comics, which is just what they call the jail that can hold superpowered people. You know, I know Guantanamo prison exists in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. It doesn't exactly mean that it's right or that, you know, you can just go to it anytime you want to visit friends or family. Okay, fair enough. But we don't have enough information to know that. (laughs) Wasn't that the point is don't go to the raft, I'll never see you again? No. I mean, that was never... Are you kidding? That was that was like a whole conversation about it. You know what? Here's the thing, Nathan. It's not that Tony is for secret prisons, but not unlike Trish, Tony believes the ends justify the means. All right, we're gonna have that civil war discussion eventually. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Whether or not Jessica visits her mother is a completely separate issue. They never said it was impossible. No, they flat out did. That was the whole reason that they kept trying to get her mom to take the deal was because that way she would actually be able to have visitation. Well, that's just because Jessica can't hop on a plane and go out to the middle of the ocean any day she they feels said like. That she wouldn't be able to have any visitation. I don't recall that. They, they said, they I, said I she'd be in isolation 23 hours a day. Well, that might just be because she's so such a violent offender. Yeah, it is. I don't think that has to do with the fact she's super Howard. That's just violent. It's offender. irrelevant. She's dead. That's what they got into <laughs> irrelevant. Just like what everybody else was saying. I really like this, you know, uh, episode or the season. I, I really like the, you know, trajectory for Jessica's character. And I like that there was a lot of emotional stuff. And, and Ryan, I'm also going to disagree with you on one other thing is that I felt that there was societal commentary. We had the whole thing with uh, Trish confronting the uh, director. Was it a director or producer? Uh, director. A director. Yeah. Director that, yeah. You're right. Yeah, the yeah. director. Um, we had that, and we also had uh, a whole thing about brutality in prisons, uh, which was why Jessica had to murder that guy, was because of that kind of thing that goes on and how inmates that one's, are treated. That one's a little iffier, but I'll give you the, the director. So so what I would like to see next season is, um, you know, because a lot of times when they have characters like this or shows like this, it's like it's always got to be the life sucks, life sucks, life sucks. What I think works better is next season, we've got to bring Jessica out of it so that when something new bad happens, you actually feel something for the fall. Because, you know, you got to build her up before you tear her back down again. So I would actually like to see, like, Jessica taking a real stab at having that normal life uh, in the next yeah, season. Yeah, more Oscar. Yeah, okay. All right. right. Yeah, more Oscar. Yeah, more Oscar and more just, I mean, in general, just building her up more. If you just leave her in the dark place constantly, there's no there's no variation, and so you don't feel the tragedy. So that's that's kind of my hopes. But yes, I would also like if they can find a decent character for her to face off against. You know, I would say something like the Absorbing Man, but they already have him in Shield. You know what I totally forgot about, but I think deserves a shout out. What this awesome cop who believed in her and supported her? Oh yeah, yes. even yes. though I'm not sure he believes and supports her anymore, but it was, uh, possibly not. Right, but. <laughs> it was good while it lasted. <laughs> it lasted most of the season. His partner only had three more days. Okay? Oh man, yeah, that was yeah, that was kind of awful though when that reversed. But yeah, his whole thing about I remember when Kilgrave had us all have our guns at our heads, you know. So like I, I'm really appreciative that you get rid of that guy. 
Um, so, all right, now um, let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us. So, Mark, why don't you start us off? Uh, you can find me over at the Gentleman Nerds, where I uh, talk it up over there as well, gentlemannerds.com. Uh, and I also have an indolent Twitter feed, uh, as well as a uh, blog that I ignore called Mark the Aging Hipster. Uh, so there you go. All right, Stephanie, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they can find her on the raft. <laughs> so goodbye. You can find me all over the place as Elkrea, A-L-K-R-E-A. Uh, if by chance Elkrea doesn't seem to be me, because it's usually a whole bunch of Sailor Moon and sci-fi and makeup and crap like that. Uh, try adding Lady in front of it, and Lady Elkrea is likely me then. All right. And that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, um, all those fun places. That's me. All right, Angie, why don't you say goodbye and let people know if they can find you. Um, I did think really hard about starting a Twitter account, but then I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> So I remain a 42 cast exclusive. Um, this is me signing up. Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Well, uh, again, not saying goodbye, never saying goodbye. Um, you can see me. Well, see me. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at Geek Stranger, but really that won't get you anywhere. Uh, Facebook, you can find me there or arguing with these fine people about how they're wrong about things, especially Nathan. Um, oh, by all means, please check out my neglected and uh, otherwise completely unupdated website, geekstranger.com, only because I'm paying like four bucks a month to maintain it. So, you know, someone should look at it. Um, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, just, just around on the internet. And uh, I... <laughs> I'll go, go ahead. What the hell? I'll say it. I will be posting updates to the website <laughs> in the near future. You know? Are you really? <laughs> Do you just need someone else to write a movie review to get you through the hump? <laughs> right, because apparently, because he told me he had like three movie reviews ready to go and that was last summer. So. Yeah, I've still got my... Uh, my Transformers The Last Night review, like, it's, it's, it's a cue to go if I ever sit down to edit it. <laughs> yeah, because isn't Wonder Woman the last actual, because I know you've linked yeah. to the podcast a few times, but Wonder Woman's your last actual review, right? It is. <laughs> and you know what? But, you know, when you end with Wonder Woman, you might as well end on a high, right? <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Mark, Ryan, and Stephanie and Angie for being on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. So that's it for Jessica Jones Season 2. We hope that you liked the episode, but either way, there's a lot of ways that you can contact us and let us know. One way is by emailing us at everything at 42cast.com. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. I also wanted to remind everybody about the ESO Patreon. That is a way to fund the network and to uh, you know make sure that all the shows on the ESO network stay on the air. So go to patreon.com slash ESO network, uh, look at the different tiers that they offer, and uh, contribute if you can, because uh, you're contributing to a good cause.
one more time, I really want to thank Ben Gibbs for uh, stepping up and helping with the editing. Uh, this is going to be a big deal so that hopefully we can get back into the regular swing of things as he and I uh, hopefully trade off on some episodes here and uh, get through the backlog. So that is a wrap for this one. Join us back next time when Jermaine Clement will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.